Well, thank you so much for welcoming me and for uh, letting me join you guys here and be a part of this thing. Um, I am just thrilled to be here. Like, I, like Rob mentioned, I, I've been serving a church for four years while I was at uh, my Master's of Divinity at Duke, and I really enjoyed getting to serve a church. I was really itching and ready for it. Whenever I wrapped up my time at High Point, um, the, the district actually said they really thought that I should keep working at Subway for a little bit longer to try to get to know people. And I said, please put me in a church. Please let me go ahead and start preaching and practice. And uh, I had some wonderful mentors in the conference that said, you know what? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to give this a shot. We're going to see how this goes. And it was a wonderful four years of ministry filled with wonderful blessings and wonderful challenges and everything in between. Uh, and I'm just so thankful after, uh, you know, this this season of coronavirus that we're dealing with, I haven't been able to preach in a church building in a little while, so I appreciate you welcoming me and letting me be a part of this this morning. Uh, Rob kind of wanted me to introduce this thing, so I'll tell you a little bit more about Checkpoint before we start um, with the actual sermon, and they, they really work together super well with what we're talking about, but Checkpoint Church is the church that I had this calling for, this, this feeling that just had to happen. And the way that this happened, as Rob mentioned, I was a PK. And so my dad was a, was a pastor, and I grew up in the youth group uh, really, really early on because my dad was also a local pastor. And so I was a part of the youth group at about uh, eight years old. Um, hanging out with the middle schoolers and high schoolers. And I would go on all the mission trips and do all the fun stuff like that. And I always really loved my youth group. But there was a part of me that was never really welcome. Never really welcome. And what that really finds its root in is that I am a big nerd. I'm a huge nerd. I love video games. I love comic books. I love anime. I love all of the good movies. Uh, my wife loves superhero movies, but that's about where her nerddom stops. But I love nerdy things. And I never felt like I was allowed to really be that in my youth group. Maybe, you know, I was kind of used with some, some tokenism. It was kind of like, this is Nathan, our resident nerd, whereas this is, this is who he is, and we're this over here. So I always felt separate. And then as I grew up and I started to become more involved in the church and I felt my call to the ministry, I, I wondered if whenever I became a pastor, if I just have to give that part of myself up because I just didn't see any churches for nerds. And the more and more I, I learned, and I learned to love my friends and my peers who were nerds, and I realized they didn't feel welcome in the church. They didn't feel like there was a church for them. They felt like they could come to church if they wanted to, but they had to shed that part of them off. And that broke my heart. So God placed this calling on my heart that we need a church for nerds, geeks, and gamers. And so Checkpoint Church is the church for nerds, geeks, and gamers. Now, some of you may be confused. Some of you may be kind of like, ah, I don't know about all this. What is he about to talk about? Are we about to hear a whole sermon on Harry Potter or something? I don't want to deal with all that. Well, I promise that I think you'll, you'll appreciate what we're talking about here and maybe even find that there's a part of you that might be a little nerdy even though you don't want to admit it or that might dwell within you, that you might find that God wants to use that nerdy creativity within you as well. So the first reason why I think this is so necessary is because I think that nerds want community. You can take one look at Comic-Con. We have Comic-Cons all across the country, multiple in some states. We have some in Charlotte. We have some in Raleigh here in North Carolina. We have Comic-Cons everywhere, and nerds are wanting. They are coming together for this one weekend a year where they get to just talk and geek out and be a part of community. 
And so it's my belief that I think it is the church's obligation to fill that need, to fill that role. We are obliged to fill and invite that lack of community that's happening in the church. Why else? Like I said, I'm a PK. Never really felt welcome there. And why else else is what we're going to talk about this morning in in Exodus. We're going to talk about a guy named Bezalel. We're going to talk a little bit about him. He's not somebody that we often preach on or somebody that we often find uh, in our Bible studies or in anything like that. And so that's why I think he's even more fun to talk about. So he's going to be in Exodus 31. I'm going to be reading from the NRSV. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 11. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, that's wonderful. If you brought one with you, even better. I think it's going to be on the screen, so you can also follow along there. Or you can just hear these words in Exodus. So we're going to read this, if you'll hear now, this passage from Exodus 31, verses 1 through 11. The Lord spoke to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with divine spirit, with ability, intelligence, and knowledge in every kind of craft to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood in every kind of craft. Moreover, I have appointed with him Aholiab, son of Ahizamech, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given skill to all the skillful, so that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat that is on it and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and the utensils, and the pure lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin with its stand, and the finely worked vestments, the holy vestments for the priest Aaron, and the vestments for his son, for their service as priests, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense for the holy place. They shall do just as I have commanded you. This is the word of God for these, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together might be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So whenever uh, Rob invited me to, to join in on this series, I really liked the voice. I watched the show, and I liked the idea of the voice of God speaking in through these unique ways. And he said uh, what he was kind of hoping for this was to talk about God's voice through creation, God's voice through the creatives and through creativity. I don't think any scripture does that quite as well as this passage from Exodus. We really get a firsthand look at an artist in the Bible, at a true artisan in Bezalel. He's very well-rounded. He kind of does it all. He does a whole lot, as you read, whenever I kept reading, and this, and that. They were working on a whole lot of stuff as they were building this temple and this ark and this place where God would dwell. But what I think this is interesting about the scripture is that this talks about God's creation through God's creation of humanity. God created us to be creative. And we do some amazing things. I really like art. I really like creativity. I like all those things. I'm a musician myself. I like writing songs. I like drawing and doing things like that. And uh, over my four years in Pelham, I used a lot of art. I really like art. Uh, and I really like using it as an example. I'll find, you know, famous Renaissance paintings or these wonderful Rembrandts or things like that. And I would put them up on the screen at the church. And I would say, look at that. Look what he did here with the darkness and with the shadows and what's happening. But 
For some reason, there was one piece of art that I could never quite get to fit in. And for some reason, my wife won't even let me hang it in the master bedroom or anything. And it was this one right here. I don't know if you can see out there. But for some reason, this piece of art was not quite as cherished by the church or quite as cherished by my wife. This is, for those of you that don't know, uh, this is Link from The Legend of Zelda for the Nintendo. And there's lots of games. He's one of my favorite video game characters. And I saw this at the Ross and I had to have it. I, I put it in my cart and my wife just shook her head and just accepted that this was about to happen. And I hung this in my office for a while and I have a big Batman poster too that I hang in my office. And for some reason, we can't seem to accept that maybe, just maybe, this is an aspect of God's creation. Maybe, just maybe, video games, maybe, just maybe, comic books can be a method that God might speak to us through. Maybe, just maybe, that it is. What makes this kind of art any less capable of speaking God's voice than others? And so... We go back to Bezalel. We look at who this guy is. This is the grandson of Hur. Now, you may recognize the name Hur. He was one of the guys that helped Moses during this great war where the Israelites are really starting to lose. And God says, Moses, just hold up your hands. Just hold them up and I will let you win. And it takes a whole lot longer than Moses expects. And he starts to get tired and droop and droop. And he just can't do it. And then Aaron and her hold up Moses' arms until the victory is theirs. So that's her. So then her has a kid. His kid has a kid. It's Bezalel. Now, I want you to imagine trying to fill those shoes. As a PK, I have a hard time sometimes filling my dad's shoes where people revere him as being this minister of so many years and doing so many wonderful things. And they, they say, ah, I don't know about this Nathan guy. He plays video games, I hear. I don't know about all this. So I imagine for Bezalel, the same thing was people are looking at Bezalel and saying, do you know what your grandfather did? Her saved us all. We probably would have gone back into captivity without your grandfather. What can you do for us? Build you a nice chair. Do you want a nice chair? Or what about I'll make some, some nice mirrors? How about some nice mirrors for your house? Wouldn't that be nice? He's just a creative. He's just an artist. And so I imagine Bezalel must have felt pretty useless in what he could actually give to God. He wasn't a farmer, so he couldn't give sacrifices. He wasn't a priest, so he couldn't lead people. He was just an artist. He was just a guy. He was just somebody that had a creative tendency. So he must have felt pretty useless. Now, if I had to go out on a limb, I would say the odds are pretty high that we're feeling pretty useless right now. Maybe some of us that have served in the church for years and years and years and we go on mission trips and we do things in which we build for the community and we give away things for the community and we raise money for the community and we give out food and we do the wonderful blessing box. Maybe you're somebody that's here every single Sunday. You're somebody that's here every single Bible study. You're someone that really feels involved and important in your church. Then all of a sudden, COVID happens. Do you feel pretty useless? You feel like a part of you been taken away? Do you feel like you're just empty without what you had? I think a lot of us understand that feeling of feeling pretty useless. What can I do? What do I bring to the table? What am I giving to God? How am I going to be used? I think there's good news. There's always good news. 
And this scripture is the good news for those of us that are feeling useless or unfulfilled or left out in the midst of this current circumstance. Because Bezalel, this ordinary guy, this ordinary Joe, his grandfather by all means should have been the one that was the most important in the family line, all of a sudden gets called out by God, says, you, Bezalel, I need you to be filled with my spirit. As far as we can tell, this is the first time this has really happened here. Now, in the New Testament, we call this being filled with the Spirit, right? Pentecost, spiritual gifts. This all goes back to Bezalel as being this originator of being filled with the Spirit. And who is Bezalel? Is he some famous preacher? Is he some big deal? Is he a teacher? Is he a priest? No. He's an ordinary artist. And God says, I choose you to be the conduit of my Spirit. I choose you to do something amazing for me. And so I think that this is what gives us encouragement, what gives us good news in the midst of these times where we feel pretty useless, where we feel pretty crummy, where we feel like we're just not able to do for God like we've once done. We don't feel like, I mean, we're not even able to be here. We have to watch ourselves. We have to wear these masks. We have to feel so constricted. The good news is that God has given you spiritual giftedness. In your baptism, whenever you accepted Christ, whenever you were filled with that spirit, you were given gifts, and it's not just one gift, it's gifts aplenty. And I believe firmly that God was not unprepared, that God knew exactly what God is doing, and that he's working through you here today. And I think that is where we come back to 1 Corinthians. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. We're all rooted in the same spirit, but somehow we're all gifted in amazing ways. And so Bezalel reminds us that we're not all called to be preachers. And thank goodness for me, we're not all called to be missionaries or mission workers or go and build houses because I don't like to sweat or work outside one bit. And so I felt pretty useless in the youth group sometimes whenever I had to, you know, hammer some nails and I'd be like, oh, can't, do I have to? Can I go talk to the people? They'll give me brownies. Can I go inside and just chat with them? That's what I'm good at. God gifted me differently. God gifted us all in amazing ways. And so I believe that God gave you so many skills and gifts, some that you may not know, some that you may not see or be aware of, but that God has called you to something. Again, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, everything that we do, everything, everything that we do, do for the glory of God. Everything. Link, painting these video game characters. What does that look like to do that for the glory of God? What does it look like to play video games for the glory of God? What? That sounds crazy in our heads, doesn't it? That sounds impossible. But I believe with all of my heart that God is calling, God is wanting, God is seeking out the nerds, the geeks, and the gamers. God's doing it, but the church isn't. God is calling us to serve. In particular, I feel called to serve this particular group of people. And here's the thing, just like we're learning right now about ourselves, the skills that we've had all of our lives, the spiritual gifts that we, you know, take our little inventories and we have our same little 10 spiritual gifts and, oh, I got encouragement, good. You know, those, those are good. But anytime we try to put God in a box, anytime we try to limit the way that God can gift you, we do a disservice to the Holy Spirit. 
Because Paul says do all things, do everything to the glory of God. And so what if being a mod on Twitch is a spiritual gift? Who in here even knows what that means? (laughs) Thank you. Exactly my point, though. How can we know the gifts of the nerd, geek, and gamer? How can we know the gift of the outsider if we don't welcome them in and learn and work together for the glory of God so that truly everything can be done for the glory of God? That is a goal. That is something that we can set for ourselves. And so I believe with all of my heart, the God that I worship is calling you for such a time as this. God is calling you in the midst of this time. Where is that still small voice that you're seeing through creativity? Where is somewhere where you've not seen God before that all of a sudden maybe you're feeling a little bit of a tingle to do something? I've seen amazing things during this time. I have seen people preach the gospel in ways that I never expected. I never expected to see my library reading children's time stories so that parents can have a break and give their kids a good bedtime story read on Facebook. I never expected that. I never could have guessed the amazing things that we've seen. I never would have expected artists that I love, musicians that I love, hosting free concerts from your living room just so you can have something to do. I never expected to see teachers. Well, I kind of did see this one. My wife is a teacher, so I know what y'all do. I never expected to see teachers literally breaking their back, just trying to do everything that they could to care for these kids that they love, learn a totally new job in the matter of two weeks so they can teach online. That is the gospel. That is reaching people where they are. That is, hey, everything that they do, they do for the glory of God. What does it look like? to serve God in the midst of this time. I think I've already touched on this a little bit, but in closing, there's one last thing that I think Bezalel really teaches us. And that is that the voice of God cannot be contained to our expectations. What God can do cannot be contained within our box. Whenever we try to put God within our understanding, you know the Israelites were saying, why not not let Aaron decide what the Ark of the Covenant looks like? Aaron Aaron really gets God. Bezalel, nah. He works in gold and bronze and silver, but let's, let's let Aaron figure this out. Right? That was probably a conversation that was happening amongst the Israelites, but God said, no, God, I choose you, Bezalel. I choose you because I want you to do this thing. The Israelites tried to put God in a box, tried to keep him where they wanted him, but God is so much bigger. God is working in you, even you. Some of us might be asking ourselves this morning, what can I possibly do? I'm not tech savvy. I don't get the internet. I don't understand any of those things. I believe that God is calling you. I believe that God wants to use you in the midst of this time. I believe a conversation with Rob would be a great place to start where he'd say, you know, Rob, what can I do? How can I help? Pastors need help right now. Churches need help right now. We're all trying to figure this thing out together. And maybe your spiritual gift is something that's never been used before. But this is the opportunity for you to really step up and do for God and serve in the way that you were uniquely made to do so.
This has actually led to my first major step at Checkpoint Church. We're actually having our first service, if you can call it that, this week on Wednesday night. We're going on Twitch. Everybody knows what Twitch is. I know I don't need to explain. It's a streaming service where we literally play video games together. Somebody plays a video game on the screen, and then people are in a little chat box, just like on Facebook, how you type in the you know, conversation on posts, and they just hang out together. And I'm going to be doing that for two hours. I'm going to sit and play, I'm going to play a game for two hours, a video game. We're playing a game called Undertale, which is one of my favorite games. And I think that this is the prime example of why I think Bezalel is important and why Bezalel's story works today. Undertale is a game made by one guy. Totally ordinary indie game. It costs $10. It's nothing. It's just a little short, quick game. But in this game, the creator asks the question. Normally in a video game, the goal is to kill the monsters, kill the bad guys. But in this game, the question that the creator asks is, what if nothing has to die? What if the whole point of the game is pacifism? What if the whole point of the game is being put in a moral quandary with ourselves and asking ourselves, what does it look like if I really am a pacifist? What does it look like if I particularly intentionally set aside defeating the point of a video game so that I might be able to love things better? Nobody would have guessed that a video game would be the conduit for that kind of understanding of grace. But on Wednesday night, I am going to be in a place where there are not many Christians. And I'm going to be playing a game not made by a Christian. But I'm going to be there as a pastoral presence, walking through this journey with people, reaching people that we're not reaching. Now, if you had told my dad, who was a pastor, whenever I was born, as he was holding me as a baby, and you had said, that little boy is going to preach to people through video games. Oh, you would have said, are you kidding me? What does that even mean? And yet God knew. God knew. God had it planned out. God is using my gifts for such a time as this. And I believe God is calling you to use your particular gifts for such a time as this. I believe that whenever we get out of the way and let God work through us, we can do some truly amazing things in some truly unique ways. So as we close together, I want to ask you the question, are you doing everything? Everything. Underline, bold, write that down. Are you doing everything for the glory of God? Will you pray with me? Dearly Father, I thank you for this time that we might be able to spend together. I thank you for calling us to something amazing. I thank you for gifting us uniquely and specially. I ask that you would use us during this time. Let us not give in to the temptation of feeling useless or unfulfilled, but instead let us live in and live out the life that you've set before us. It's in your wonderful name that we pray. Amen.